0: Episode 94 of the Bevan James Isle Show, the fitness behavior podcast. Righto team, welcome along to episode 94 of the Bevan James Isle Show, your fortnight podcast on the behaviours that create a lifetime love of fitness so you can get all the benefits that come alongside it. Well, welcome along. It's uh, it's just about the end of 2017 and I'm actually doing a take two right now because unfortunately I've got this new cool recording device called the Zoom and it's pretty high tech. We've, we bought it for our other podcasts and hopefully you've noticed a better sound quality in the last few episodes. Uh, so it's really great. But it's a stupid thing. We've got to push record twice. And I tend to not do that sometimes. And it's a little bit frustrating because it's happened a few times. So I need to find a better system to make sure I push record twice because I did this amazing introduction. Seriously, best introduction at full time. So, uh, but that's okay. I can do it again. So basically, what's happening? We're at the end of the year, which is very exciting. And I, I kind of wanted to talk a little bit before we get into the main gist of today's show around this whole idea of. What to think about at this time of year. And, you know, like I was, I was in, my, in the last introduction that I did, <laughs> um, I, I was just talking about how, as a coach, this time of year, there's there's a, it's always a really good moment to think about asking some big picture questions as a coach. And I said, uh, one thing that I, you know, as a one on one guy who kind of mentors and coaches people, one thing that you you have is you kind of have the kind of person who will come and see you for just for a short period of time. So they might just come and see you for, you know, like a, a month to two months just to sort out one kind of thing but the other thing is you sometimes get people you've worked with for years and i've you know i've been doing this for about five years now and i have a series of, of clients who i literally have been working with for three or four years and admittedly really i don't see these people as much as people who are kind of seeing me every week but you know we kind of catch up on regular occasions and so when i'm dealing with these people it's really cool because ultimately when you get to the end of the year you're kind of asking these kind of big questions and and you've got a few years of experience to reflect back upon to see if they have grown and one question I always chuck to my clients is how have you grown this year how have you grown this year and it's a really interesting question now obviously people who come to me to get to work, work with to get mentored by they are looking for growth in their life. So in theory, at the end of each year, we should we should have seen some good change in their life because ultimately that's what they want in coming to work with me. And to be honest, they all do. And, and to be honest, I, I imagine someone who's listening to this podcast like yourself, you're probably the same way inclined. You've probably grown. You know, you are looking for growth. This show is about growing, isn't it? You know, I know it's around the fitness concept, but, but ultimately it's about you growing. And so, you know, that's kind of, I imagine if I check that question at you right now is, is how have you grown this year I imagine you probably you're going to have some answers but the one one thing I love about it is when I when I do it with my clients is you see growth in so many ways and and the best example I can think of right now is this lady who I've been working with this year who kind of contacted me this time last year and because she was turning 50 and she wanted to, in her 50th year, do 50 endurance events. So 15 either swim, bike, run, or, or pretty much sporting events in her 50th year. Now, if you think about that, that is a massive undertaking. Like that's, you know, she she did an Ironman with this. she did the London Marathon, so she did some pretty epic races. Uh, she also did, you know, right down to smaller events as well. But to do that, just to do the training and the racing that comes with that is... Man, it's, it's respect. But then there's so many other aspects that come on top of that. You've got the planning, you know, like imagine planning 50 races in a year. Like, there's so many other aspects that come around us. So this time last year, she knew she wanted to achieve this goal. And so she thought, well, I want to get someone to support me along the way in doing this. And she, she listened to the show. So she, she kind of got in contact and we started working together. Now... When you're working with me, one thing I, I see my role is is, sure, you may have a goal you want to achieve, that it might be a sporting goal, it might be a career goal, it might be just a self goal. But ultimately, my job is to help you be a better person. My job is to help you grow in and all the aspects it takes you to be a better person and actually i think of a session i had yesterday i um there's a guy who's contacted me about running coaching and to be honest i don't actually do running coaching in general i, I like working with groups so I, I tend to do groups but occasionally i will take somebody on for running coaching and this guy asked and so i thought you yeah, know, well i'll help this guy out and so i took him on and we had we had a couple of sessions one was a testing session and yesterday we kind of did a programming session and at the end of it i kind of talked to him about life you know like what's happening with life because for you to be successful we've got you know, sure, we've got these running plans and that for you to be successful. But I wanted the whole person to grow through this experience, and and to me, that's my job. You know, that's what I should be doing. And so, going back to the lady who's doing the fifty races in you know in her fiftieth year. Sure, I wanted to support her in doing the fifty races, but I wanted to become a higher version of herself through the experience and working with me. And this year has been, you know, well, I've talked about this a little bit on the show lately. But one thing I've I've discovered as someone who sits in the kind of coaching slash mentoring role is, I know I've done my job well when someone says, I'm just being me. I'm just being me. I trust me in this world and I trust it to make decisions from that. And I think I even talked about that in the last episode I did, the last Bevan episode. So, you know, and, you know, this lady who's doing the 50th and 50th year, she's, she, she's found that. And it's really interesting, you know, if you'd asked her what she thinks she was going to gain by working with me, sure she would have said, well, you know, support along this athletic challenge I've put in front of myself. But the growth she's experienced this year has gone so much further than that and, and to many different areas of her life. And and where she's found within herself is just amazing. And that's why it's a really important time. So one, one thing I do with all my clients at this moment is chuck kind of two basic questions. And the first one is, is, where have you grown this year? And that's a really important question to ask because the reason we want to ask it is if we can understand where we've grown, we can then take those tools moving forward. And as I talk about this, I think of another client I have. Another client I have has this very successful career. They're they're in an important role and they are phenomenal at what they do. And they have this team of people who achieve kind of the highest standards in their industry and, and everyone from outside of the industry looks and goes, how do these people do this? What are they doing? And when this person first started coming and working for me, they said, I know that I seem to have this ability to create something because I get so much feedback and, and our results are kind of well above you know the comparison of the industry. But I don't know how I do it. Like, I I, I do this thing and it, and it seems to work. But if you ask me how I do it, I can't put my finger on it. And so when we started to work together, we need to figure out, well, what is, that, what is that thing you do that makes you so great, that makes you and your world so great? Because if we can understand that, then what we do is we have the ability and opportunity to do more with that. And that's why that question of how have I grown this year Has been a really good question to put in at this time of year Like this time of year is, is that, you know, it's the change of the calendar We're all going to reflect at this time of the year So to think about how you've grown this year Is a really good question to think about Like I think about myself right now, how have I grown this year And to be honest, I've found another level of self this year And particularly in the last three or four months I've found this this level of self that has the ability to stay focused on whatever I'm doing to higher levels. And, you know, and as I reflect upon that, and I kind of go, how have I gone? I've found this higher level of self. And then I've thought about how, how have I been able to do that? And, and you know, in the past, like most people, I would have these kind of focus moments and then really unfocused moments. And, you know, it was this kind of yo-yo of life. And over time, I've got more and more into this place where I'm just focused. But in this last block, this last kind of four months, I've just been focused all the time, and focused, you know, this idea of when I'm with Joe, I'm focused on her, or when I'm on the piano, I'm focused on that. Now, maybe oh, I can't say 100% of the time. I'm probably more 90% of the time, but but I'm living in a much higher place. So then, when I think about where I'm trying to go to next year, well, that's really exciting because then the next question I like to put in front of my clients is, "How do you want to grow next year?" Like, "How do you want to grow next year?" And those two questions are really good questions because if you can ask the question of how have I grown, and, and how, did that, how did that happen, then with that growth, you can look at your next year to see about how you're going to grow more. And it's that whole idea of if, if you were to kind of catch up with me next year, I'd want you to say, Bev, you know, I've even evolved more. Because to me, you know, you know the thing I believe in is that our job is to, within ourselves at least, is to evolve into our wisdom. And when you are seeking growth in life, that's when you tend to be moving down that, that path. And so as you think about yourself, and I suppose why am I talking about this now? Because I kind of want to throw this at you. I want to throw this idea of what is your growth that you've experienced this year? Like, why are you better now than what you were at the beginning of this year? And how did you create that? Like, what, what did you actually do? Like for me, it was about sharpening of tools. It was me actually a little bit about learning higher level tools. So it was kind of those. And, and then, oh, man, that's how I did this. And so then that opens up my possibility for next year. Like for me, next year, I, because I'm living in such a focused place, I feel like I can achieve more. And so for me, one of my goals is to get rid of things that aren't actually help me achieve more. So that's kind of something to think about. So, you know, what's the area of growth that you need to grow in or that you have grown in this year? How have you achieved that? And then how do you want to grow next year? Like, What's it going to be like when you sit at the end of next year and you have a growth more down the evolution of your wise self? What are you going to feel? What are you going to have? Who are you going to be? What are you to How are you going to see yourself? Oh, that's that's exciting stuff. And to me, that's really good use of a year. So so that's kind of my main gist of the first part of today's show because I've got main gist coming. But anyway, before I get into that, I want to quickly mention a few patrons of the show. Patrons of the show are really important to the show, seriously. Um, I, I've talked recently about creating this online course. It's one of my kind of projects that I'm hoping to bring out in probably February... Maybe March 2017, uh, putting a lot of work into it, and it's something I'm really proud of. I'm trying to do a great job in what I'm doing and something that can actually help change. So that's really important. But in doing that, I've really pulled away from all my content creation. I haven't written in a long time. I've kind of pulled away from social media, um, and the only thing I've maintained is is this show and the reason is is because of the patrons because they are supporting me in doing the, what I do uh, they, they support me financially which means I can put the time into this I'm also going to do a new website in the next period of time that, that their support is helping that happen so the patrons of the show if you listen to the show and you really enjoy the show you've got to thank the patrons because they really are why this happens so I just want to give some love to some of the patrons and the first one is Holly the Go-Getter Woodhouse now Holly is the lady who does the say yes to adventure they were actually interviewed a few episodes ago and uh, I've got to say I've got an idea because for men buying presents for men at Christmas time is impossible most men don't really they're hard to buy for and I know this because I am one of those guys and what I mean is that people will come to me and I go what do you want for Christmas actually before I started recording today Joe walked into my office and she said Bev my sister wants to know what you want for Christmas and I was like you know what answer I go I don't know, I don't really need anything. And, and, and that's a pretty typical man answer. Now, say used to adventure, it's not a man's magazine, but it's, an, it's a magazine that basically just promotes you being an adventurer in life. And I, and I love this idea of whatever content I surround myself in will influence what I'm going to move towards in life. And so if I read a magazine about saying you still adventure, it kind of sparks a bit of a seed in my mind. And so, and and deep down, I think most men, a lot of men, kind of like the idea of being a bit of an adventurer. So, I recommend going to her website and I'll put a link to that on bevanjamesowers.com and getting that for some of the men in your life because it's a great magazine and you can't really go too far wrong. Uh, Other people to mention Sue Chisel, she is uh, The Only Way Is Up. We've got Denise Abfabdana, we've got Nathan The Hurricane, we've got Mary Jane i'm gonna say mariko uh, she's the magic and we've got katrina the architect and we've got kim anderson hadley and she's searching forward and i actually know kim and she has been doing some searching lately that girl is killing it so guys if you want to come to patreon of the show go to bevanjames.com it's all very simple from there anyway you guys rock on and let's get into the main gist of the show Today, I want to talk to you about a concept, but I'm going to tell you a bit of a story first. So, when I was a young man, when I was a young man, I played volleyball. I played, I loved volleyball. volleyball at the age of about, what, what form three, you're yeah, probably about 13, 14. Uh, I'd always played rugby league and soccer, so I played soccer up until about the age of Eleven, and then I went to a new school, and the sport at the new school was rugby league, so I went and played rugby league, and then I was a really good rugby league player. I think I played for rep teams and stuff like that. So I was a, you know, I was a pretty good sportsman. Uh, I was, I wasn't one of those kids who was ever going to be a rock star athlete. Although going back, and you know, there's that whole thing of if I knew what I knew now, going back to then, then I potentially could have, but I didn't know what I know now, and I didn't know then, so I didn't, you know. So I was a good athlete, but I was never you know, the this, this superstar athlete, if you know what I mean, and, uh but I went to, went to play rugby league for a few years, and then I went to high school, and I went to a high school where volleyball was the sport, like, it's interesting how, you know, I often think about the choices I make in my life are often influenced around the surroundings I am in, you know, and, and a big part of that is a really good story from my life, is that I'm, I've had a you know a long career in group fitness for a company called les mills and i would have never in my mind thought that i would have been a group fitness instructor it was never something i'd even to be honest i never really even knew of group fitness you know like aerobics when i was a young man and i was going to join a gym and the gym i was going to join was a gym that was a kind of a bodybuilding gym and the reason I wanted to join that was to get stronger for rugby league because after my volleyball years I went back to rugby league and I wanted to be a good athlete so I thought I need to join a gym and get strong and and I was going to join this gym called World Gym and it was where all the kind of the the sportsmen, the rugby players and, and the bodybuilders of my town went to and at that time my partner... My, daughter, my daughter's mother, Stephanie, she actually went to a gym called Les Mills, and she she had a membership, but she never actually went. And so I thought, well, why don't I just buy your membership? Why don't I just take over your membership, babe? So I took over a membership, and at that gym, group fitness is a really big thing. And I, I joined for weights, and I did weights for about a year, and then one day one of my friends said, well, why don't you come to a circuit class? So I went to circuit class, and, and instantly I fell in love with group fitness, and so much to the point that within kind of six months I was teaching it, and then... You know, the story goes on to, you know, the career I've had in group fitness. And the really fascinating thing was that moment of choice between if my partner had not been going to this gym and not using this gym, my life is totally different. My life is, like, I don't know the life that that would have been. I I like to think it would have been around fitness, but may have been totally different. And that was what happened when I changed schools. I went from intermediate to high school and, you know, in my mind, rugby league was the only sport that mattered at that time. But actually what happened was volleyball became the sport. And that was because at my high school, volleyball was the sport. Like, all the coolest kids at school played volleyball. Like all the cool athletes at school played volleyball. The, the guys you admired, the guys who walked around and you're like, oh my God, that's so and so, they were the best volleyball players. And for me, as I went to high school, that was what happened is that I went away from rugby. I think I still played rugby league, but it was very much a, an afterthought because volleyball was the most important thing. And all my friends, that's what we do. So my core group of friends became valuable players. And um it's just kind of reflecting upon yourself right now what have what have been those worlds for you? Where maybe you've stepped into worlds and what was important to you shifted because of the world you were in. And it's a really interesting thing to kind of be aware of in life, isn't it? Because I love this idea and I've talked about this in the past of within well, choosing worlds where they're going to move me towards what I want to be. So that's something to think about. But so I played volleyball, and, and I again I was as a volleyball player I was a good player. I got to my I represented my local region Canterbury. I think I made South Island team. I never made New Zealand team, as I wasn't good enough. Um, and uh, but I was I was a you know I was a good player on my team, but I was I was I had some faults in my playing, and one of my faults was my serving. I was never that consistent with my serving. My ability just to kind of serve well and there's probably two levels of servings we had the first is you know trying to really attack on a serve and I was a bit of a 50-50 guy my technique wasn't that great so if I got it right it was a real good serve but if I got it wrong it was kind of you know it wouldn't go in or it was a bit of a disaster and, and to be honest it was kind of a flip of a coin of what kind of experience that I was going to deliver as a server um, and so it was kind of the area that I always tried to work on but it, deep down I knew that it was kind of I Wasn't getting any better, and again, if I knew what I knew now and I went back and surfed, it might be a different experience, but hard to know. So, fast forward a few years after you know, of playing volleyball, one day my sister's boyfriend had got at the time was a guy called Dan, and Dan was this um, he was a pretty boy, I can't deny Dan was this very kind of pretty boy, um, good looking young man who was a bit of an athlete, quite a bit, he was a bit of a Bit of champion all around to be honest, but a very academic guy, very good athlete, really nice guy, um, good looking guy. So he had lots going for him at the time. And my sister was going out with Dan, it was a short term relationship, I can't remember how long they went out for, but it wasn't very long. And Dan played beach volleyball. And so he asked me if I wanted to do a beach volleyball tournament with him and I thought well yeah I'll do a beach, I'd never played beach volleyball but I played volleyball so obviously those skills are going to transfer over and Dan won a few tournaments and uh, I remember one. this is a bit of a quirky thing about Dan, I remember being a winner was really important to him and this is before was this Charlie Sheen you know you're a winner stuff and I remember he all he wanted to do was to win to have a t-shirt that said winner on it because if you walk around with a t-shirt with winner on it people respect you. Now. There was an odd. Thing. I remember even thinking at the time. That's kind of an odd reason to want to be successful. But, but he'd won one, and he, he he would wear that t-shirt with pride. And so in doing this tournament, he was like, "We really want to win this because you know I want that winners t-shirt." Which I don't know what what your wheels, spinger your wheels. I suppose. But for me, it wasn't. It was a bit. Uh, it's a bit odd. Anyway, so we we go along, and we turn up to this tournament, and we win. You know, our first three games, and I think we go through to the quarterfinals. I can't remember if we made. I, I don't think we made the finals. But my mum came along, and my mum's always been the most supportive parent when it came to anything, really, anything in life. You know, but definitely as a sports parent, my mum was amazing. My mum. Managed all my teams, you never missed any sporting game. You know, like if, if you've got a child, my mum's theory is you are there to support them to help them to be successful. And so, when it came to sport, you know, she she was just the ultimate parent. And she was also the parent who screamed like crazy on the sideline. And, and, and I was never embarrassed by it because it was always just supportive. But she, mum yelled, yelled the whole game and she was great. And I remember mum came along one day to watch us play this tournament. And my dad, mum and dad, both, both really supportive parents. And so they came along to watch us do this tournament. And it was an important moment in the game. And I had to serve. And it was one of those moments so I was, before I said there's two types of serves and I didn't tell you the second serve. So the first is the aggressive serve, where you're trying to attack the opposition because you want, you know, you're trying to get an advantage on them. And I remember at the time my volleyball coach was a guy called Zach, who was this awesome Māori guy from New Zealand who was this ultimate he was a real role model for or for a young men, a team of young teenage men, to have a guy like Zach who was this culturally in New Zealand, there's a saying called Mana, someone who stands with strength. And, and Zach was Zach. Zach was this guy who just represented strength, but in a really empowering way. And he was really cool, and he was just a really important man to my group of friends at that time in our lives. And and Zach kind of one thing he talked about is you know when can you be aggressive, and when must you deliver what we call a must serve. And a must serve is it's time in a game where ultimately we can't afford for you to make a mistake. So, it's, you know, like early on in the game you might try to be aggressive and, and when you're starting to get on top of the other team you might try to be aggressive to just kind of nail your advantage in. and But at times in the game as well, there's times where you can't take that risk. And actually the more important thing is you just get the ball in. And so he would talk about this kind of, when are you going to do a must serve? And I kind of like this in life as well, is that, you know, there are times in life when I can be a bit more aggressive and there's times in life where I I need to go to a bit more of a must-serve kind of philosophy. So, you know, like I I think about my investment strategy with Joe and I, you know, as investors, there's been times when we've gone, let's be a little bit more aggressive. You know, let's kind of kind of take a few steps here that mean we, you know, we, we're going to be a little bit more aggressive and then there's times where you're going you're looking at what's happening in the markets and you might go actually now's the time we're going to be a little bit wiser and we're going to consolidate and that's kind of like our must time and it's going to set up our next period really well and it's interesting if you think about yourself is when in my life do have I been in those periods where I am going to be a bit more aggressive. But when are times when I'm going to go to that must-serve place where it's actually, you know, just sit tight right now and kind of sit in this consistent place, setting up my next period where I can be aggressive. So this must-serve theory was something in my mind as I'm playing this game that was really important for me, getting a winner's t-shirt, if you know what I mean. And so we're in the game, and it got to... The last part of the game. And, and in volleyball, you have to win by two points. So I can't remember. I, I don't remember the scenario exactly right. But obviously, I had to come in and serve. And I remember, I go up to serve. And you got to remember, I'm the 50 per 50 guy. I'm the guy who's either got to nail it and it's going to win the point. Or it's going to be a total disaster. And I remember thinking to myself, I've just got to deliver. I must serve in this moment. Like, if I can get it in, Dan and I hopefully can then play the game in a way that can make us win this game. But if I miss the serve, if I go for the aggressive one, it's going to be 50-50, and I, and I may fail. Now, a really interesting thing happened at that moment. My mum's on the sideline, and my mum, again, my mum's a great mum. She is very supportive of of myself and, my, and all my family, even to this day with the grandchildren in my family. She's very supportive in helping us grow. But I looked at my mum, and my mum gave me a look of... Of uh, To be honest, probably support, but the way I, int- I interpret it was that, like, she thinks I'm going to fail. She it, w- it was a little bit of a concerned look on her face. It was a little bit of a concerned look because she knew my serving ability. She knew that I struggled with serving a little bit and that I could be that 50-50 guy. And she kind of, you know, she knew the game. So she knew that in this moment this was a really important serve. And so she kind of gave me a look of protection she kind of gave me this look that was kind of like it was it was encouraging but you know behind it it was like oh i know this is a struggle for you and it it kind of upset me a little bit it it made me a little bit upset because i kind of in my mind and 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 this i don't think my mum was doing this in a way that was trying to bring me down but because it was an area of my life i was sensitive in and, and i knew that i struggled with I intended to interpret it that she wasn't supporting me, and it kind of took me to a place where I got out of the job that I needed to be doing. So the job that I needed to be doing was focusing on my skill of putting the ball in the court. My skill of doing that must serve. Think about the process, the thinking process I need to do to put the ball in the court. But when I saw that look on my mum's face, I kind of went to an emotional place. I kind of went to a place with, oh, she feels I'm going to fail this, I, I, you know, that kind of place within myself. And hence, what happened with the serve? I missed the serve. I didn't get it. I didn't get the must serve, and, I, and it wasn't, you know, like I, I, I must stuffed up. And to be honest... I'm, that may have been the reason we lost the game. I, I can't remember, but I, I, we didn't win the game. I, I definitely don't have a tissue of winner written on the back of it, i tell you that much. So I didn't win the game, and, and to be honest, my serving ability was probably one of the biggest reasons we didn't win the game. I remember after the game, I was kind of upset with mum, and she didn't know, she, I, like I didn't really get angry at her. I wasn't one of those kids who kind of yelled at my parents or anything like that, but, but I remember I was just kind of upset with her because I was kind of like... She she didn't she didn't beg me or she didn't trust me or she thought I was going to fail and and I was kind of upset about it, and this is a concept that I want to talk about today and I'm going to call it I'm going to give it a term and it's a term that I want to think about I've been thinking about a lot recently and I'm going to call it protective resistance, and I want to think of my mum's perspective on that moment. So my mum is a mum who loves her son who wants her son to do the best that he can do so let's let's put yourself in my mum's shoe in this situation so she's come along she wants to support her son she turns up to this game they're playing the game they're doing pretty well but it's getting pretty tight and then her boy is about to serve and you and as my mum you know this is an area that he's struggling in so you kind of want to support him don't you you want to kind of give him something that's going to be supportive. But at the same time, you know that the probably the fears that he's going to be going through in that moment. So what you want to do is you want to support him, but you also want to protect him, don't you? Because you know that maybe he might miss that serve. And so I want to give him a a look that says, it's going to be all right either way. I still kind of love you. And in my mind... If you think of my mum's perspective, that look she gave me was probably that. It was probably like, it's okay, you know, like, do your best, but I still love you. But when I was out there serving, I looked at it and it was like, she doesn't, she thinks I'm going to fail. But ultimately, what my mum was trying to do was kind of protect me. And this is an experience, this whole idea of protective resistance is something many people come up with a lot. Is this whole idea of, I'm trying to grow in some way. And it seems like my world is trying to put resistance up to my growth because they and they are a barrier to it. You often see it with people and their parents. You often see it with parents. And I'm sure as I'm talking about this right now, you may identify this with your parent. I remember I had a boss years ago, and this boss was quite a kind of stern kind of character, didn't really show much emotion. Nice guy, um, but didn't really, you know, he wasn't, he didn't wear his emotion on his sleeves. You never really seen see him kind of act emotionally or, or kind of be irrational. He was kind of just kind of down the line, <laughs> down the line, pretty stern kind of character. And I remember one day his dad came into work and his dad came into work and I saw this teen, this guy who was this kind of down the line kind of character Turned into this kind of snotty-nosed teenage boy. You Like, it was really fascinating. I, I just never saw the side of him. But his dad came into work, and I saw a completely different person. And there was obviously something in their relationship where his father triggered something in him that felt, I'm not good enough. Now, I'm reading a lot into this this interaction, but I think it was something like that. It was something where... Something the father did told this kid he wasn't good enough. And hence, he turned into this snotty teenager. It was, it was mind-blowing. And I'm sure when you think about, maybe you know, for a lot of people listening to this, is, is you may have that with your parents yourself, that your parents seem to push something in you that, is, that triggers, I don't know, like these feelings of I'm not good enough or these feelings of they think I'm going to fail. And that's what this whole idea of predictive resistance is. It's when I'm trying to grow, it's when people in my life maybe question my growth. Maybe they put a resistance up to my growth is probably the best way to put it. So I'm trying to grow in an area and they put resistance up to my growth. Now, sometimes their resistance may be really real. Like, you know, like if someone comes up to me as a coach... And they say, you know, oh, I want to run a marathon. I say, what have you done? And they go, oh, I've done nothing. I'm going to say, well, let's 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 get you running five k's. Let's be really wise in how we do that. And, and as a as a coach, it's kind of part of your job is managing expectations. Now, when people come to me as a coach, they're kind of paying me to give that to them, so they kind of respect my opinion. But if you were to say to someone, let's say you've got that person in your life who you're a little bit more sensitive to and you said to them, I want to run a marathon, you've never run anything, and they say, oh, would it be wise for you to aim for a 5K? Now, sometimes, if the right person, the wrong person says that, then you take that as a thing of, oh my God, they think I'm a failure, they never trust me, and it goes down this path of, oh, you know, you never backed me, and so on and so on. Now, what they're probably doing is they're probably trying to protect you from not getting there the wrong way. Now it's interesting because the perspective you get it from. Like if you get it from me, the coach you paid for, you're like, okay, actually he's pretty wise. He knows the stuff. I'll take that on board. But let's say it's your parents and they do it that way, and you're like, oh my god, they never back me. You know, you know, and this is the reason I fail, and so on and so on. So protective resistance is a really interesting concept to talk about. And and so if I'm going to kind of wrap up, what is protective resistance? So protective resistance is when people around you put up what you feel is resistance that you feel thinks that they don't think you can get there, that you feel is a limiter. And then really why have I put that word protective in there? Because ultimately what I want to think about is why would they be doing that? Why would they be doing that? And it's often because they think they are protecting you and putting up resistance. They think that you are, they are protecting you and putting up resistance now there's levels of this because sometimes they are right if you've never done any running and you say I'm going to do a marathon in 12 weeks as a coach I wouldn't recommend that I would say you need to run 5Ks and so for them to put up that kind of resistance at that moment is probably helpful now your relationship with them may not allow you to see that as helpful so that's true so that's that's something that needs to be worked on but, but then the other thing is sometimes their resistance is is unfair Sometimes, you know, maybe you have ran half marathon. Like, I remember I remember one time a friend of mine, he trained to do a half marathon. And, you know, he was a fit man. He got and did the half marathon. And it was a big thing because he, he was a guy who came from fitness and, you know, like myself, went through drugs and all the rest of it. And then kind of turned his life around and, and, you know, did this half marathon. And after the race, his father said, well, good work, but will you be able to keep it up? Now, to me, that was, that's not you know, that wasn't really kind of, you know, I could see he was trying to say, you know, the goal was to keep on this path. But it didn't really come from the right place. And I remember my mate was quite upset about that, and you know, and understandably so. So ultimately, what I want to then move on to is this whole idea of how does protective resistance affect you in your life? So as I'm talking about this today, and you're identifying, or if you are identifying with what I'm talking about... We need to understand of how this protective resistance affects my own behaviors in my life. Now, if I go back to the example I was talking about before with my mum, in that moment, my mum knew that I was going to, you know, there's a 55% chance I was going to stuff up that serve. So she was just trying to show me care. But I took that as she doubted me. And then what happened was I went to an emotional place where I didn't focus on the process that I needed to do. So my response to my mum's protective resistance was that actually took me to a place that led to me doing the thing I didn't want to do. And that's what I want you to think about. In your life, in the areas where protective resistance actually comes up for you, where does it take you? For some people, it actually works as a real motivator. I remember years ago, we interviewed a guy called Peter Reed on my triathlon podcast. Peter Reed won the Ironman World Championship three times. This guy was the best athlete in the world in his day. Absolute rock star. And uh, we interviewed him, and it was such an honest interview. God, it was amazing. And basically, he always felt his father was a disappointment. He was a disappointment to his father. And um, really, like seriously disappointment to his father. And I think, I can't remember exactly... What happened, but I think what happened was His father wrote him a letter at the end of his career And uh, kind of s- Showing him that he was really proud of him And Peter Reed pretty much said Once that I got that letter My drive to be the best disappeared You know, that that, that actually That was I didn't, I, I didn't need it And that was a really fascinating moment So for some people it actually becomes a real driver to prove yourself But then in some ways it seemed, you know, using Peter Reed, it seemed like he never actually enjoyed the experience. So while protective resistance allowed him to achieve some massive things in life, it didn't allow him to enjoy the experience of the way. It was always came from dissatisfaction. And ultimately, I suppose that's what we're trying to say is, where does protective resistance lead me to in my life? Now, for a lot of people, it leads to inaction because if those around me are putting up protective resistance telling me that, oh, you know, you might not do it, then it's like, well, they're saying I can't do it, I can't do it, I won't try. And so what we're trying to learn is, how do I respond to protective resistance? And if it's leading me in ways that are actually leading me away from what I want to achieve, I need to put in better strategies around how to deal with it. And if we look at the Peter Reid example, there's actually some value to it, because I like to prove myself, but what aspects of it are pulling it away from? So like someone like Peter Reid, we're going to say, well, Jeepers, it was a real motivator for him, but it didn't allow him to enjoy the experience. So how does he keep the motivation, but within himself enjoy the experience. And that's kind of what we want to think in that aspect. So the first thing is, is do you have are you sensitive to protective resistance in your life? When you experience it, what is the flow on effect of that for your life? And if that flow on effect is it actually it takes you to a worse place in your life because A, you don't seek growth, or B, it becomes an affirmation that you know you reinforce of why you're going to fail, then what we need to think about is what strategies do we have towards protective resistance? And, and it's really important to identify this. So there's probably a few things I want you to think about is, who are going to be the people that I am sensitive to with protective resistance? Who are going to be the people I am sensitive to? Like, if you came to me for a running program and I said to you, eh, this is probably not the wisest thing, you're like, oh, Bef, you know, I trust them, so it's okay. So you probably find there's going to be some people in your life who are like, you know what, they're not a problem. But you may know that it might be your parents, it might be your partner, it might be a friend. You know, you might, you could probably identify the people in your life who are going to put up protective resistance. Now, you can look deeper into it and you can go, where does this come from? Now, sometimes it comes from caring and love. My mum on that sideline came from caring and love. She just wanted her boy to achieve something, but she also wanted him to know that, you know what, you're okay if you don't get there. So it was coming from the right place. So that's important, you know, you do need to determine. So if we're going to take a step back, it's: are you sensitive to it? What's the flow on effect? How do I respond to those people or who are the people I respond to? But to get an understanding of where the different people come from. So if it is someone like my mum, it's to go, okay, my mum's coming from loving, from support. So I know she's coming from the right place. It has an effect on me, but at least I can understand it comes from the right place. But then sometimes people do come from a a malicious place sometimes two people come from a place where it is trying to hurt you and then what is the perspective I'm going to put around those people so two two ideas I would have is I would have first of all my job is to protect myself from this person so I almost anything that comes from this person I'm not going to take on board because I know that this kind of person is trying to work against me the second thing I would put on that person there is it's unfortunate that they are sad and they're the kind of person who would try to stop other people's growth. Because in my life, the thing that I have learned is people who are happy in themselves aren't trying to pull other people down. Actually, people who are happy in themselves try to pull people up. They have this thing, they, you know, I want to give you the drug that I'm on. And so if you're finding you are finding people in your life who who represent protective resistance to you, but maybe we remove that protective word from it, they just represent resistance to you But if you reflect upon that person, you see it's actually because they're dissatisfied in their life Or they're just harmful to you Your job is to protect and then put a perspective on them That if anything's a little bit of a sad perspective It's sad that you're dissatisfied in yourself The only way you feel you can get a boost of, of a, a hit of an emotional charge in your life Is to try to bring me down But I'm not going to take on board of what you bring into my life and ultimately I would say move away from them even offering advice and maybe even move away from them now sometimes it's harder when that's your family but that's something to think about there then what you want to think about is what are the strategies I want to use around so who are the people which ones should I move away from and then which ones will I you know like do, who are coming from the right place what are the strategies I want to use in place so the first thing is is when you you need to prepare you need to prepare. If you know I'm going around to my mum's house tonight and I know I'm going to tell her that I'm going to try to achieve this goal and she's going to hit me with, you know, and I know mum comes from the right place but she's going to hit me of protective uh, resistance, then what's the kind of mindset I need to go into this with? Okay, so the first thing is I need to go into the mindset of I know she's going to come up with something but I also know that it's coming from the right place. Okay. Second thing is is there anything I can actually take on board of what she's putting in front of me? So, you know what, if, if, if it is that, you, you know, is 12 weeks to a marathon a wise idea, you know what, it, it might be a good question for me to ask. was it, It's actually a good question for me to explore. So is there actually some real value in what they're saying? Another thing to, th- to prepare for is, how do I make sure it doesn't trigger an emotional response? Because often when we hear these kind of protective resistances in our life, It just triggers emotion that takes us down this bad path. So, and that's kind of what happened in my serve, wasn't it? So what we want to think about here is how do I avoid emotionally responding to this and just seeing it for what it rationally is. It's just someone who wants to support me, kind of trying to help me figure out the best way forward, okay? Then what do I, you know, what can I take on board from this? And then what do I not have to take on board? So, you know, that's something to think about. Your mum might say, blah, 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 and you might go, actually, that part I don't need to take on board. I appreciate where it's come from, but I don't need to take this on board. Then what you want to think about is showing some appreciation. Now, if you you have a really good relationship with this person, you can talk about these kind of concepts. You know, like, I understand you come from a place of caring, and one way you can improve is and then give them how you think they can improve. But ultimately, you you can say, I really value that you care about me this much in this goal, and I really take on some aspects of what you're saying, so thank you for that. Now, you know, then you can open up the conversation of, maybe next time, here's a way you can do this better. There's something to think about. But then what we want to think about is post the conversation. And post the conversation is, you've got to remind yourself your job is to get on your plan to achieve your goal, and not allow... The triggering of emotion that may have been triggered through protective resistance to stop you from doing the work. Okay, so that's when that's kind of post what we want to think about. Actually, I can grow. Everyone can grow. And while the resistance may have triggered in the past and made me not take action, my job is to take action. So I would say if I'm going to prepare towards someone who I know is going to put up protective resistance to me, I would say I will prepare for the conversation. I prepare for where they're going to come from, what I can take from what they want to take, how do I not take what they don't want to take, maybe how do I develop my relationship with them so they can gain deeper understanding of how to be better supportive of me. You know, like, I could, you know, in retrospect, with my mum, I could have said, when you come to my volleyball games, mum, I know that you know about my serving, so what I want you to do is this. And it might be, you know, give me the thumbs up, or it might be just, you know, whisper a word that reminds me about my technique. You know, so I go back to the process. You know, those types of things. I'm teaching my mum how to work with me better. Now, if they're supportive and they come from the right place, they probably will want to evolve. If they're not, if they're malicious, well, then, again, you should be moving away from this person. But I would also, before I have that interaction with them, I would prepare... How I'm going to, when I get home from that night, what I need to remind myself of, and that is the job of getting my growth. So that's that's one way of looking. The only other thing I would probably say here is, in regards to the person who just, you know, when you can't plan for it, maybe you're just going out for lunch with a mate and they put that resistance up to you. And in that moment, what is the best way for me to deal with this? And it's just going, okay, this is where they're coming from, this isn't totally representative of me, and i you know, when I when I finish this conversation, I'm just gonna go do a quick recap on what I need to focus on. Resistance often comes from a good place. It often does. Well, people are just trying to make sure you they're protecting you because they, they want you to succeed, but they want to make sure you're realistic and perceive in and, and succeeding. Uh the downfall is, is often many of us take this as a way of you think I'm going to fail. You think I'm going to fail. And uh the problem for a lot of people is that it actually leads to people failing because your doubting me makes me doubt myself and makes me not take their work or do the work and the actions that I need to take to achieve my growth. So, if protective resistance is going to stop me achieve my goals I've got to find a better way. Now, we're often emotionally attached to certain people in our life and they can push a button, that can open up a side of ourselves that ultimately leads us to not growth. To not grow. So really, to me, if you're listening to this today and you know deep down that I'm, I'm, I'm talking to you and you know that there's certain people in your life who are limiting you, you feel are limiting you, I would argue you need to challenge yourself to grow on this point in your life because they may be putting questions in your mind, but it's you who are... It's just your your response to this protective resistance Is actually stopping you from from growing And instead of allowing it to stop you to grow You need to learn to develop yourself To deal with protective resistance In a way where you will continue to grow Because what you'll find is If you continue to grow Their doubt around your growth will disappear They won't put up protective resistance Because you'll have a body of evidence That shows that you can grow as a person And if anything They start to come to you and ask How do you do this? Because you are evidence of growth in your life. So how you respond is going to have a massive influence on your growth moving forward. And if you become the person who responds in a way that actually stops you from growing, then you'll point at them and say they're the problem. But if you can develop strategies that say, I know how to deal with this protective resistance in a way that I keep growing, you're going to continue to thrive in your life. So just to quickly recap, what is it? Protective resistance is when other people put resistance up to where you feel you want to grow. Sometimes it comes from a good place. Sometimes it doesn't. Your job is to learn how to remove yourself from the ones who aren't a good place and then how to deal with the ones who come from the right place but maybe don't have the best method. Partly preparing yourself for it. Partly putting strategies in place of what you're going to do in that moment and after the fact And then partly teaching them how they can be more supportive of you Because ultimately, although you may take it that they are putting resistance up to you They want to help you, they want to support you And that that, that is coming from the right place within them If you can do this, and you get better at this, you can continue to grow And ultimately, you can continue to be that better version of yourself All right, righty, I think that's the main gist of today's show, done and dusted. It's, uh, yeah, hopefully you got something out of there. It's, it's, a, it's a subject, I, um, you know, it's kind of a new concept that popped in my head a few weeks ago and I just kind of thought, our job is to keep growing. Our job is to keep growing. And what takes me away from creeping growing? You know, well, our job's so much more than that, but, but, but you know what I mean, like ultimately we want to keep growing in life, and what pulls me away from that, and this protective resistance is often for a lot of people, a massive, massive thing in their life, and if you can overcome that, if you know I have speaking to you in today's show, well, that's going to be massive for you moving forward in your life. So just some really important stuff to think about there. Okay, team. So this, I just want to say a big thank you to all the patrons. Uh, If you are a patron of the show, just thank you very much because I really appreciate it. If you want to become a patron, go to bevanjamesos.com. I just want to quickly talk about one other thing right now. Um, The whole idea of, I could actually almost do a show on this subject. Actually, you know what? I'm going to stop because I think I've done enough today. Um, I've got a couple cool concepts coming up in the next episode. Actually, the next episode is going to be a best off. But then after that, I'll probably get an interview. And then the next Bevan show, which is probably a month or so from now, I've got a couple cool concepts coming up because I've had a couple of clients go through some very similar experience lately, which uh, I don't know I think there's some real value in thinking about these things. So, uh, yeah, enjoy, enjoy the, the rest of the year. I enjoy 2017 and, and think about those questions I chucked to you earlier on, I'm, I've, got a, I've got a busy couple months coming up so first of all, Christmas, which I love, we go camping with our good friends down in, down in Wanaka in New Zealand and then I go back to week, work for a week or so and then I've got to go to Auckland and do some work and then I'm getting married getting married team, it's oh, but oh, but my mic again, um, we're getting married, so my lovely partner Joe and I, we've been married, well, we haven't been married yet, we're getting married in the February the 11th, 2017, so we've been together for eight and a half years, eight and a half years, and I'm a lucky man, you know, like, it's funny, there's that saying, you're betting above your league, and, and in some ways, you know, I'm so betting above my league with my partner Joe, but, but also, I'm just so lucky I have a relationship where we enjoy each other's life together and um I'm, I'm, I'm one thing I'm discovering in life right now is these moments of contentment you know I coach these early morning track sessions at, for our runners on a Wednesday morning and it's often cold and windy or, or dark or or sometimes it's beautiful and warm and every time I'm setting up I'm setting up the cones and stuff and I just think I'm so lucky to have this opportunity to be up in the morning and and uh you know it's just that moment of gratitude that we often talk about and in this moment in my life I'm kind of they're popping up a lot, and I, and I really love that I have that, and with my partner, I, I definitely have that, and we have a relationship that, I don't know, uh, I do think we are that couple, who people others look at and go, wow, they're so lucky they've got love, and I don't know not it know, it's something we work on, and we work hard on our relationship, and uh yeah, but I feel lucky that I have that, so, you know, it's, it's, me and my relationship but anyway I'm going to make an honest woman over soon because we're getting married uh, on February the 11th so it's an exciting time in our lives and we've got lots of cool stuff happening so that's pretty much the show for this week guys we're going to be back in a couple of weeks so we'll be pissed off I'll do a quick kind of uh, wrap up into that and then we'll get straight into it and then I'll be back in 2017 next year's going to be a massive year for me in this kind of work I want to get more content out to you I want to get better content out to you so I look forward to bringing on 2017 uh, it's exciting times you have a great great couple of weeks. Have a great Christmas with your friends and family. And, uh, yeah, enjoy New Year's. See ya.